We've been talking about marriage. Uh, we said this because so many times people that are married, say, they say, I married the wrong person. The best marriage that you can possibly have is the one that you're in right now. You need to believe that. And so we talked last week about God's grace for marriage. God's grace for marriage. And so people don't think that you have the grace, the power to have a good marriage. You do. You absolutely do. And uh, we talked about Paul when he was at the end of his rope. He was at the end of his rope and he sat there and he said, man, I, I just can't handle this anymore. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. So when, you, when you're struggling in your marriage or you come up against a hard time or a bad circumstance or you feel like, I don't know about this marriage, there is grace for you to have a good marriage. God wants you to have a good marriage. I'll say this. You realize that Jesus came. He became unrighteous so you can be righteous. He became unholy so you could be holy. He bore shame so you could be shameless. He bore sickness so you could be whole. He became poor so you could be rich. Jesus did all of that. He went to hell. He did everything. Do you think He did all of that just to help you a little bit? You think He did all of that just so you can have just a little bit of help? His help is so overwhelming and He's given you that grace and it's in you today. The grace of God is in you today. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8 it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you. That word abound in the Greek means overflowing as in more than you need. God just didn't give you a little bit of grace. He gave you too much grace. More than you'll ever need. It's the same Greek word when Jesus fed the 5,000. It had leftovers. And that was the same Greek word abound had too much. That's a good picture that God always provides way more than what you need. He didn't just barely defeat the enemy. He didn't just barely fulfill your need. It's abounding more super than you ever dream or think or can imagine. That's God. That is your father. So you don't think you can have a good marriage? Mm. You can. And it's the will of God. There's an abundance of grace on the inside of you and me. It's an abundance. And, for, and it, you have grace for marriage, for a good marriage on the inside of you. If you want to, to use that grace, and that's the problem. We're looking for something out here. And God says it's inside of you. And if you want that to be manifested, then you need to realize <laughs> that the other person is not the problem. I got the same results in the first service. I know people sometimes they say, well, you know, they want to be humble. And they say, well, I know I'm not perfect. But as soon as you hear the word but, that first part, you can just take it away. They really believe everything after the but. And usually it's, I'm not perfect, but I'm better off than what he is. I'm acting, I'm doing. You can't look at the other person like that. Oh, help us, Jesus. Last week we talked so much about how men and women are different. You know, a lot of times young couples say, oh, they're just like me. You know, when they're getting married or dating. I mean, I couldn't have picked. They're just exactly like me. You're going to have a rude awakening one day. 
God did not, if, you, if they were just like you, He wouldn't need to create somebody else for you. God did not create another Adam. He looked at Adam and said, boy, you need help. So He created Eve. God knew that what you were not, He was going to bring somebody alongside to bring with you to help you. Well, so your opposite is a gift from God. That person you're arguing with quite often, maybe, possibly, the differences that you were created to be is for help. And so many times, I remember just arguing with my wife. I wanted my wife to be like me. Yeah, and the Lord said, if, you, if she was just like you, you wouldn't need her. So I stopped right there. But love is unconditional. Love is unconditional. You know, when we, we shouldn't even have to say love is unconditional because love is unconditional. And I said this before, you know, it's like saying water is wet. It's like saying... Uh, the sun is sunny. Nobody says that. Why? Because it, you just know. If you say sun, you know it's sunny. If you say water, nobody goes around and Boy, did you feel that water? It's, it's really wet. They look at you weird. And rightfully so. We should have the same mentality. When we say love, we should not. And you see, hear this in church, that love is unconditional. You shouldn't have to say love is unconditional. That's what it is. That is exactly what it is. It is unconditional. And love is not what you feel. It is what you do. It is what you do. John 3.16, you know, most Christians know that scripture. For God so loved the world that he, he did something. He gave. And he didn't just give. He gave the absolute best to meet every need in your life, which would include your marriage your marriage God wants you to love your spouse are you ready for this though he wants you to love your spouse like he loves you mm. you know what that means a love that gives regardless of whether it gets anything back so many marriages you know well I'll do this and I'll give this but I'm expecting a return and I like the stock market. You give, you expect a return. How many know the stock market goes down and you lose? Well, listen, I'm not talking about winning or losing. I'm just saying you will always win if you give out the love of God because the Bible says love never fails. Never fails. Never gives up or comes obsolete or comes to an end. And guess what? That is in you. That's what's inside you and me. So don't say, oh, I can't do that. I can't live, I can't love like that. Are you saved? Are you born again? Is Jesus your Lord? Is God your Father? Then you have it in you to do. So quit thinking like that. Quit saying, I can't do that. You need to say, I can. I can love you in spite of you. God does that to us. I love you. No, you realize God loves you no matter what you do? You can go out and rob a bank. God doesn't say, okay, it's over. It's in. I'm done. I'm, I'm, it's finished. God's still going to love you. God is going to love you no matter what you do, period. 
His love's not based upon how your behavior is. It's based upon what He has chosen to do, and He's chosen to love you. Before you even got saved, before you felt like you were doing right and living right, He loved you when you were a sinner. Everybody say, that's my father. And you can love your spouse like that. Mm. You have the ability to love everybody like that. You know, and I know when people first meet, they, they fall in love, and it's, it's mostly hormones that are at work. Wow, I mean, they look pretty, did you see that? Oh, they look, they could be a serial killer. You have no clue. You have no clue. I mean, you just think that then you find out and go, oh, my word, I did not know. No, you're just going off hormones, man. That's not love. That is, we won't go there. But it's not what God wants for you. If it is love, of course it's unconditional. It is unconditional. And so love is unconditional no matter what. So when you say you love somebody, do you know what you're saying? Do you know what you're saying? I love you, honey. What you're saying is, I love you no matter what. It's unconditional. No strings attached. doesn't matter how you treat me. I'm going to love you. So I want to bring up three myths. I know there's more, but these are three heavy ones. Three myths about marriage. Three myths about marriage. The first one, marriage can solve the loneliness problem. I hear people, you know, I'm just so lonely. I want to get married. I'm just feeling all alone. I remember uh, when I was in the Air Force, I am a people person by nature. I just like being around people. Usually the more people, the better. And so I don't like being alone a lot. And so when I went into the Air Force, I was just so excited. But then I realized that I was never home with my family. I was married, I was single, but I loved my family, I loved my relatives, I was just a family guy, I liked being home, liked being with my family, I just loved it. And then all of a sudden I realized that I'm not going to be home, and I thought like forever. I was traveling around the world flying, and uh, so it came to my attention that I was so homesick that, man, when I got to my room, man, I would just cry like a little child, you know. I was just lonely. It hurt, and I, it got so bad that I began to physically feel pain inside. I just hurt. You know, they say a broken heart. I was, it was bad. It was bad. You know, and I see some people like that. You know, I want man, I just want to get married so bad. I just feel so lonely. And the Lord taught me something during that time. And this is what he said. He said, you know what? I'm with you, and I can heal every lonely cell in your body. So, man, I began to spend time with him. I began to read my Bible and pray. I would spend hours with my Heavenly Father. And I began to get healed up. And I began to realize that he is the one who can meet your loneliness. And I'm telling you, sing, because I, haven't you seen married people talk to married people? There's some married people who are lonely as all get out. And let me just tell you single people, there's a lot worse things than being lonely. It's called being married to somebody that's related to Satan. There's a lot worse things, but I, that was a joke. But anyway, you need to realize that God wants you to be, he can be your best friend. I know because, you know, 
People think that, he, how can you be best friends with somebody? It's just a spirit. I need to touch. I need to play. I need to see. God can be that person to you. And he wants to be. He wants to be your friend to where you know he can even fulfill all your emotional needs. I have needs. We all know you have needs. And we'll talk about that in a second. But people look to their spouse to fulfill every need in their life. That would be called God, and you didn't marry that one. Hallelujah. This is going to be a great series, whether you respond or not. But anyway, everyone left Jesus when he was going to the cross. All of his disciples, all of his friends, everybody was following him. All of them 5,000 people he fed free Happy Meals and everything, they all left. He was all alone. And yet Jesus says this. This is what you need to hear. He says, all have forsaken me, but I'm not alone, Father, because you have never left me. What a simple revelation that every single one of us need to have. God has never left you. Well, I just don't feel God. I just don't feel. It seems like he's not around. He is. That's called faith. You just believe it. You just believe that he's never left you, nor forsaken you, and never will. Never. I said never will. So you can't be, how can you have all of heaven, and he's inside of you, how can you have all of heaven backing you up and think that you're alone? If you have that revelation, I'm telling you. Psalms 107.9 says it this way. For he satisfies the longing soul. You could say he satisfies the lonely soul. God is the only one that can truly satisfy that. Yeah, there's temporary fixes. You know, people try to get a temporary fix. Uh, uh, you know, some people, like I said, they want to get married, try to fix that loneliness. You know, some people go buy a new car or, or go, let's go shopping. Let's go to a movie. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But honey, that, that's not going to fulfill that loneliness inside of you. Uh, let's go. Let's go buy something. Let's go do something, and just to try to fill that hole, that vacancy on the inside, and then all of a sudden you realize it's it's there again. But if you have an understanding of the Father who lives inside of you, your lonely days are gone. Hallelujah. Luke four eighteen says this: The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is myth number two. Myth number two is marriage can heal your broken and hurting soul. There's a lot of broken people. There's a lot of hurting people. All, I mean, Christians, the lost, so much brokenness in our world. Everybody's been done wrong. You know, people have been divorced. And, you know, well, he ran around on me. He didn't just have one... Girlfriend, he had several, you know, and people are just bringing up all of this hurt. And, and then they expect to remarry and for that person they're marrying to fix them. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on us. Because then when you get married after six months, six years, you realize that they are not fixing you. And because they are not fixing you, now you have a problem with them. They were never meant to fix you. 
They were never met. Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to heal the brokenhearted. So if you're broken, Jesus is your answer. He can heal every single hurt, no matter how broken you are. You know, it's a funny story just reminded me of that John, Joel Osteen, his dad was John Osteen. You know, Joel Osteen, famous pastor. Biggest church in America. Okay, just checking. His dad, John, he said this lady came up to him. She was an older lady, and she says, Pastor John, I just want you to pray for me because I'm getting married next week, and you know this is number eight. John's pretty black and white guy, you know. He's just, I mean, just down to the point. He says, well, honey, there's only one common denominator in all those marriages. Okay, moving right along. In other words, she's looking for somebody to fix her. Ain't nobody going to be able to fix you, honey, but Jesus. Hallelujah. The Amplified Bible says it like this. Those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, Broken down by calamity. Man. That's who, that's who Jesus came to fix. He's a fixer. We can't look to our spouse to be a fixer. Philippians 3.13. This is how God wants you to start on the road and the path to your getting fixed. It says, forgetting those things which are behind, you have to forget the past. you got to forget it. Forget it. And listen... When you're arguing with your spouse, this is called cheating when you bring up their past. Because they can't fix the past. You know, back in 1978. They can't fix the past. So why are you bringing it up as if you could change this? It can't be changed. Your Heavenly Father doesn't bring up your past. Yeah, yeah, we should all be saying that. Thank you, Jesus. Well, it's good for marriages to do the same thing. I'm just saying. Forget the past. Why? Because love is not what you feel. It is something that you do. Marriage myth number three. So we got marriage myth number one, that if I get married, it's going to fix the loneliness problem. Number two is... If I get married, it's going to fix me, the brokenness, the hurt. And people are hurt, I know. And then number three, marriage is the door to happiness in my life. I've been living in hell, going through hell. I've got hell all around me. I'm going to get married so I can be happy. It will be just a matter of time to where you will bring hell in your marriage. People have unrealistic expectations in marriage. Unrealistic. I mean, marriage will make me feel complete. I'm, I just don't feel whole, so I'm just a half. So the Bible says when two come together, we become one. We become complete. We're one. So I feel like I'm half a person. I'm not complete. So I'm going to get married to get that fixed and taken care of. That's wrong. The Bible says you are complete in Him. A person cannot make you complete. I said a person cannot make you complete. And we're looking to, for people 
to make us complete. You know, uh, I'll bring this up in this series. Um, but, you know, it's just like men that, you know, I can say because I are one, you know, but um, teenage boys, especially teenage boys, you know, they, they don't really know who they are. So back in the 70s, you know, we had muscle cars, so, and they sounded tough, you know. I was five foot six and weighed 115 pounds, but when I got in my car, I was somebody. Because of the car, it sounded, and I wanted to make sure you could hear me coming. Why? Because I don't know who I am, but if you could hear me coming and you would look my way, people would look at my car, yeah, it's me. I don't know who I am, but look at me and tell me who I am. I don't know who I am, but I look at me. And then, you know, as the fads wore off, and then you thank God this fad wore off. And, you know, these guys wearing their pants halfway down their rear end. And, you know, and all it is is look at me. I don't know who I am, but you need to look at me. I'm looking at you, honey, and I... And then it's just like what comes around goes around. Now it's the same thing. These teenage guys, you know, that you pull up at a signal light and you've got the windows up and air conditioning blowing and your radio's on. All of a sudden you just feel your whole car. What's going on? And you look and that car is moving and vibrating. And you turn your radio off and you know the noise is coming from that dude's car. It's holy. It's vibrating. You go, man, it's like, I don't know who I am, but listen to me. Look at me. People don't know who they are. So they have to perform or do something to get tell me who I am. Do you know? This will tell you who you are. Jesus will tell you are. And he's told us who we are. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're holy. You're forgiven of all of your sin. You are a child of the living God. You can do all things through Christ. You are in me. You are of me and created in my image. That's who you are. That should put a confidence. Listen to me. That should put a confidence so big in you. It won't matter what people think or talk or say about you because you know who you are. If you have that confidence before you get married... You'll take that into your marriage. And then the bar won't be so high. Because, you know, we get married, we, we have an expectation of our spouse. And we've moved it pretty high. Now, this is where I expect you to be. I know it's a pole vault jump, but I expect you to jump it. And she'll go, that's okay. Mine is just as high. And I expect you to meet that. And so we have expectations, almost miraculous, like Superman, able to leap buildings in a signal bound. I can take a bullet. I can do this. I, I'm just, I can do that. And we have these expectations in marriage. And then all of a sudden, you share the same toothpaste in the bathroom with this person that, who did I marry? I thought you were Prince Charming. I thought you were Cinderella. And ain't neither one of us that. Oh, he or she was not made to create or to fulfill your needs. We're complete in Christ. That's the only picture that God wants you to have. If you're expecting to get married to this other person to complete you, 
That's a false, ideal, unrealistic. If you're going to be a single person with lots of hurt, you've got a lot of brokenness, then you need to find out who you are before you get married. If you're married and you don't know who you are, that's all right. You're at the right place. We can teach you and train you and tell you who you are in Christ. And then you'll put the bar so that Jesus, by the way, Jesus is the only one who would jump the bar. And he jumped it for you and me. So you don't have to expect your spouse, well, Jesus did it, you do it too. No. Too many people are expecting miraculous things to happen in their marriage and by looking on the outside circumstances, expecting them to do this, expecting them to do that. And then we have, you know, the unrealistic uh, perception of our own self. You know, like the little bitty lady who thinks, you know, all of her co-workers fear her because she's just mean, angry, and bitter at the world, but she sees herself like a little floating butterfly. She sees herself sweet. When everybody knows she is T-Rex. You watch that Jurassic open it. Just nothing but venom and loudness and pain and, and just comes out of her mouth. And the thing is, if that is what you really are, you don't know who you are in Christ, your home after you get married is going to be Jurassic Park. My wife and I, we went and saw that movie years ago. The very first one, it came out, I mean, probably been decades ago, the very first one. My niece in Kentucky worked at the theater. She says, I want you all come in. You get them in free and watch that movie Jurassic Park. What's that about? It's about dying. She says, oh, okay. We got you got to know my wife. First of all, there are no two different people on this planet than Melody and Mike Davis. My kids? Yeah. The only thing we have in common is Jesus. I'm not exaggerating. The only thing we have in common, the only thing that we see perfectly, 100% out of, is, is Jesus. And once we step out of Jesus, it is boop, boop, on the top, night and day. So people say, you know, we're just so different. And your point is? But anyway, we went to see this movie. And you got to know my wife. I mean, we're sitting down here. I came out of that movie black and blue. I will never forget that movie. She just beat the living daylights out of me. She, and she, we're watching this movie, and something scary comes up. Michael! 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 Like, what? What? I'm watching about halfway through. I'm sitting like this at the movie. Jurassic Park, the first one, and I'm just saying, babe, babe, it's all right. And so I'm trying to hold her hand. She just takes it out, drags it, starts hitting again. That was her only relief. Men and women are real similar, aren't they? They just see everything just perfect. No, they're different. They're different. You're arguing about something that is the way God created them. Being different. Well, renewing your mind is the best thing you can do for your marriage. I know a lot of people, I will change him or die trying. That is, that is what people say. That is what people think. I can change him. 
And I said this last week. It's worth repeating. The last thing I say for premarital counseling before I, they say I do, I say, now, okay, I want you all to face each other. I want you to look at him. I want you to look at her. If they never, ever change forever, you can still marry them and accept them for who they are. That's a serious thing. You know, because they think, well, you know, obviously he doesn't bathe every day, he smells a little bit, but you know, I can change that. No. Now, you may want to go check out where he lives and smell the apartment, honey. You're not going to change that. You are not going to change him picking up his... Un- what is that in the floor? You don't want to know. You're not going to change it. And it's usually more women than it is men because women think, I can change him. You're not God. God is in the changing business and you're not him. Well, you need to renew your mind. Focus on... If you want to have a good marriage, you've got to quit focusing on the other person and just focus on yourself. And by focusing on yourself, I mean who you are. Renew your mind. You ought to have the attitude, and I know this is difficult, but you need to have the attitude, I don't need you to make me happy. I'm saying that not to give you a way out to where, you know, you go home this afternoon and your wife goes, well, honey, you heard what the pastor said. I ain't here to make you happy. I ain't doing no dishes. I ain't doing nothing anymore. No. You need to come to next week. We're going to be talking about how to build a marriage. Nobody finds a marriage. You have to build it. You got to build it. And if you're not building, we can tell what your marriage is. H-E-Double Toothpick right here. It is. You got to build it. And God, the good thing is you have grace to do that. You've got the ability to do that. You've got the power to do that. And you have the love to do that. You know, your happiness should never be based upon that. Now, I'm saying that, but we are going to talk about jobs that women should do to help men fulfill their needs and things men should do to help fill the needs. So we're not saying that, oh, wow, I'm glad I, this message set me free. I'm not doing nothing for you forever. About the CD. That is not, you know. But you know, wives, you can't lay hints around either just to try to change it, you know. This is Pastor's CD. I'm going to put one on his desk at work. Put one in the car. I'm going to get marital books right there. He probably won't read them. Probably won't. What you need to do is just focus on you and God. When you renew your mind, The Bible says this, that you can change somebody by how you are living. You can. It's living proof. You can. You know that story of, um, I just went blank, the preacher. He, uh, the preacher that uh, he started when he was 65, I believe. He he, is, wasn't in my notes. I got to tell you now because it's bugging me. His wife went to church all the time. This is like Smith Wigglesworth. Thanks, Dad. Um, (laughs) Smith Wigglesworth. 
I mean, he was like in his 60s. He hated God, didn't have anything. But his lovely wife, she was an angel, went to church all the time. And so he thought he had enough of that. So she was going to revival service this week, you know. And he'd sit there and told her, says, you ain't going. Now Smith, she called him Smith, you know I go to church, so I, I'm going to go to church. And I'll fix your supper when you get back. You know, I, you know I always take good care of you. you ain't go- if you go, I ain't going to let you back in. I'm just telling you that right now. So she went. When she came home for church, the door was locked. She couldn't get in. So she just knelt down at the door, made her little place, and she slept there that night. The next morning, he wakes up, opens the door. She gets up and goes, Smith, what would you like for breakfast? I'm going to cook you breakfast this morning. Yeah. Most people would say, wait just a minute. Where do you keep that shotgun? I know how to use it. She sit there and goes, I'm going to fix you breakfast. So she went in there, cooked him eggs and toast and biscuits and everything, just made him a big meal and said, here you go, Smith. He said later, he said that it was, I felt like sin on a popsicle stick. I felt horrible and everything. After that, it changed him. He gave his life to God. No, I'm not advocating, you know, to do that. You understand it's an illustration. But I'm just saying, thing, she, what was she doing on? She wasn't focusing on him, how she was being treated. She was focusing on, you can't hurt this. You and I can get to a point where nothing can offend you or hurt you, no matter how you're treated. You don't think that's powerful? Love cannot be offended. You can't offend God. You, you think God's up there and go, I have had it. I'm done with your, I'm done. I'll wash my hands. I'm done. No, you can't offend God. Why? Because love cannot be offended. I want to make sure you know I'm not saying, well, it doesn't matter how you act in because, you know, you can't go to your husband out and say, I know I offended you, but, you know, you just need to, get over it because love can't get offended so obviously you don't love me don't use my message as a weapon you understand that is not the intention this is intended for you to help you don't be poking you you know i i know some of you spouse <laughs> i'm glad you're here i am so glad you're here <laughs> oh help us jesus help us jesus No, you can get to a place where you never get offended. Never get hurt. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus was hanging on the cross. He said, Father, burn them, crispify them, make them French fries. No, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Obviously, when your spouse is mistreating you, they don't know what they're doing. Oh, yes, they do. You need to have the attitude Jesus had. They don't know what they're doing. How foolish is it to expect your spouse to be the source of your joy, to meet all of your needs, to make sure you were here to make me happy. You understand? You were here. I married you for that purpose. That was the wrong reason because it won't be fulfilled through them. God has given us, the Bible says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
That can't be taken away. Now, you cannot use it or disregard it, but it is in you. I said it is in you. You cannot make use of it, but it is in you. It's called the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is a product of God's Word that's been planted on the inside of you. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. When you get born again, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's in all of us. You are patient. You are kind. You know, you may think your spouse, God left that one out. No, it's in them. But it's also in you. And you know what is also in you? Patience and self-control are in you. I don't have any patience. You know what you're doing? There's patience on the inside of you, but you're not putting it to use because you believe you don't have it. But it is in you. You're born again, giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. All of the fruit of the Spirit is inside of you. Self-control is in you. You are patient. Listen, you can outlast the devil. Why? Because patience is a quality of God, and it's in you. Patience is not a quality of Satan, so you can always outlast him. Man, that's good to know. Oh, that devil, he's so determined. you got more determination in you than he'll ever even think or dream about. He doesn't know who he's messing with. The problem is, do you know who you are? Or do you know more about Satan and what he can do? Because he is out to destroy marriages. Look at what's going on in our nation with marriage. It is being attacked from the, the Supreme Court to everything on the planet is attacking marriage, trying to come against it. But guess what? If you know who you are, I don't care if Satan and every demon in hell comes against your marriage, he will lose. He will lose. There's a, an illustration. It's, it's pretty common. I, I don't know. I've seen this. But it's the triangle, you know, with God at the top. And then a husband is on one corner and the wife is on the other corner. You know, they could pull it up with the first service. They couldn't uh, get the triangle. You can't even get, can't get the words. There's a marriage demon in there. No, but anyway. <laughs> I'm kidding. But anyway, this triangle, God is supposed to be at the top, you know, and the man, the woman there. And naturally, as you draw closer to God and, and just make him the center of your life, what happens? You two come closer together. It's just an automatic thing. But this is what I know. A spouse, instead of putting God at the top and looking to him to meet the one who's met all of your needs, you put your husband up there and God's moved down here on this corner. Or vice versa. You know, the wife is put up there and God's put down here. And so the thing is, whoever's in that position, that's the one you're looking to to meet your needs, to make you happy, to fulfill you, to complete you, to make you know and think somebody. There you go. That's it. It's an invisible triangle, but you it's there. But uh, as you see, you put God up there in a triangle, and then whoever's at the top, that's the one you're going to be. Your expectation is going to be from them. I'm expecting you. Or the Bible says that God is our expectation. He meets all of your expectations. Let's look at that scripture real quick. Psalm 67, 62. Psalm 62, 5. Psalm 62.5, my soul, wait only upon God and silently submit to him for my hope and expectation are from 
Your spouse? That's where a lot of marriages are. My expectations from my spouse, and they just are not fulfilling that. My expectations are from God. All of my expectations are from Him. Your expectation is from your spouse, from your boss, from any human flesh. You're going to be sorely disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. Why? Because flesh is, I mean flesh, they'll just act stupid on you. Flesh is stupid. And it won't meet your needs. And if you're looking to stupid, you're going to get stupid. You understand? But you, if your expectation is from God, every need. He said, I have met all of your needs. Not just barely, more than enough. I'm telling you, this will help you in your marriage. It will help you. So the three myths about marriage, marriage can solve the loneliness problem? I don't think so. Marriage can heal your brokenness, your hurting soul? Not a chance. Marriage is the door to your happiness in life? Never. You don't get lucky and find a perfect person who will love you, serve you, wait on you. I'm just looking for that perfect person. They don't exist. Cinderella is just a movie. Prince Charming is not perfect. Cinderella is not, the prince is not perfect. There is nobody perfect for you except one, Jesus. And he realized that. He realized that your spouse was not going to be perfect. He realized that you were going to mess up. He realized that you were going to just be stupid some days. But he says, I've got it covered. Jesus has it covered. He says, I know you can't fulfill this. You'll never meet this standard. I'm going to send my son. And not only will he meet the need, he'll far super exceed it more than you ever dreamed or imagined. And that person is in you. Quit thinking that there's no hope for my marriage. Really? Yeah, that's too big for God, isn't it? Yeah, poor God. He can raise the dead, but you know, hmm, I know marriages that the spouse committed adultery. And it was revived, saved, and not only just became an okay marriage, it became far exceedingly greater than what either one of them could think or imagine. No, I'm, I'm not advocating adultery. You do know that. I'm just saying there, that's probably one of the worst things that can happen. And even in that, God says, I can fix this. He is a fixer of the most impossible things that can happen. Let's stand.